Well, if you've been with us for the past, I think this is the fourth part of this series, and it's going to go a lot longer, but we're just <coughs> we've been looking at the attributes of God, then we'll get into the other doctrine, some other doctrines. And um, to talk about the Lord, there's so much in Scripture. That's who it is all about. It's not about us, it's about Him. And we ought to be looking to Him. And we have seen God is omniscient, holy, just, love, and truth. Those are His attributes. He is free, He is omnipotent, He is eternal and infinite. That we looked at last week. God is immutable. Looked at last week, He doesn't change. And therefore, ye sons of Jacob, and us too, we are not consumed. He's unchanging and God is omnipresent, everywhere present. Whither shall I flee from thy presence? (laughs) Can you hide from God? People everywhere are trying to do it, but they won't. And they can't. And then the last one that we had on our list last week, we didn't get to, God is sovereign. (laughs) This is one that is dividing churches worldwide massively today. It's the big issue. We'll spend a little time and hopefully we'll get to others' attributes of, of the Lord. If you read, and we only had Romans that we read this morning, 14 to 24, you'd think, well, okay, that's it. <laughs> God overrides everything and just puts everyone down. Everything, yes, but not everyone. And hopefully by the end of the service we'll see that, that God has graciously created us with a choice, with a free will. We're made in his image. We've already looked, and I thought of talking about this back when we talked about God is free, but I've moved it to the area of sovereignty because it has a lot to do with that. If God's sovereign, how can we have a free will? You know, you answer those questions. (laughs) And especially after reading Romans chapter 9. So let's ask the Lord to guide us through his word as we compare all scripture, not just honing in on Romans 9 about this subject. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for your word. And I pray that it might be a blessing to us today as it is opened. That each one, including the preacher, would understand, comprehend a little more of our God and what he has done. What you have done for us, Lord, I pray we'd be drawn closer to you and understand you more and appreciate you and thank you for all that you've done and are planning to do. Lord, we're, <clears throat> we're not alone down here. You're everywhere present. You don't change and our salvation is secure. Lord, I pray that each one would be blessed from knowing who you are. My Lord and my God. Lord, we pray for those that are not here, that you would strengthen them, especially the little ones that had come down with this bug. Lord, that you'd protect them, help them to recover, help each one of us to, Lord, be fit and well to be able to minister to you and use our bodies for that purpose, to glorify you. Lord, be with our missionaries too, that need your protection in places they are, because the world is becoming a very hostile place toward believers and Lord minister to them and minister through them we ask this constantly we ask now you would guide us in your word in Jesus name Amen 
God is sovereign, supreme ruler, with total and absolute authority, but he's not a dictator. I don't understand, well I probably do because they're sinful, politicians, police and people that just once they get a bit of authority, you know, we say it goes to their head and then they, they use it. But worst of all, I think is a preacher that's a dictator because he should know God's word, he should know God's heart and he should know that God gives options to people. He gives them a choice. It was wonderful to be able to talk to my neighbour behind me and just say when talking about these things and salvation, I said, God's not going to compel you. Your choice. You're free. And he was, well, hadn't heard that before. And he said, that sounds good to me. I said, yeah, but there are results of saying no. (laughs) You need to know that too if you say no to God. <clears throat> and, um, but he's not a dictator. Praise God for that. <clears throat> Consider all his other attributes amongst, uh, along with the sovereignty of God. His love, his holiness, his justice, his righteousness. They are what we have considered very briefly. Each one of these attributes could, you could spend a whole sermon on, more than that. But didn't we do how many classes? on this very one one in evening classes. I don't know, we went for two terms, two terms on evening classes, and went through this at, in, more, in more detail. Uh, <clears throat> but all these worked, all these attributes work harmoniously together. Let's turn to the book of Ephesians. Because people will come up, ah, but look at this word, look at this word, look at this word. <laughs> yeah, in their context, please, as you look at these words. Ephesians chapter 1 and tell me what words might stand out to you speaking of the sovereignty of God and we might misinterpret them out of their context as we read verse 4 well let's start with verse 3 blessed be God and the father of our Lord Jesus Christ who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Did you pick one that might be used? Chosen. Read the other scriptures in relation to that. We will. Having predestinated us unto the Adoption of sons. Who does adoption have to do with? Believers. You see, that's future. That's the, the body. And it tells us in other scriptures that that will be completed then when we get our new body. And as Pastor Hine, I refer to him, has said before, look up the word predestination Find who it's talking about and to, and it's always believing people. Yeah. yeah. So that, that sort of counsels that one out and saying God overrides free will of man. Because it's once we're saved, 
adopted as children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. His will. (laughs) To the praise of the glory of his grace in which he made us accepted in the beloved in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. And you can read right down through that portion and see the work of God on our behalf and what he has done and how he has blessed us and drawn us to himself. And now in the portion we read this morning in Romans chapter 9. Remember all the attributes as you read through these portions of scripture and take this in its context. Chapter 9, 10 and 11 are speaking about and to whom? Jews. Thank you, I heard. Because in the start of the chapter of 9, he said, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost that I have great heaviness and continued sorrow in my heart for I could wish that I myself were cursed from Christ for my brethren. You could say, ah, Christians, keep going. My kinsmen, Jewish, (laughs) according to the flesh. And then he concludes in chapter 11 with saying, ah, the great plan of God is wonderful. (laughs) Who can comprehend God? He breaks out in praise the last four verses of chapter 11 on how God's working it all out. So keep that in mind as you read the verses here and back into their context of Pharaoh. What shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? God forbid. We say to Moses, I'll have mercy on whom I will have mercy and whom I will have compassion on, I will have compassion. (laughs) God is all-knowing. God has foreknowledge. God knows the end from the beginning. It says it in Scripture. So you can put these things into that knowledge of God. Um, Well, let's go to the verse. It's in 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 2. And I need write it next to these verses. He said there, Peter said, the ignorant fisherman said, (laughs) inspired by God, I, I, I love who God used, who elected. If, if we had come to the world like the Lord Jesus and said, now who will I choose to be the ones that take the message after I've died out to the world? Who would have we gone to? Come on, be honest. We would have gone to the local university and said, let's find some professors, some, some with degrees and PhDs and all the other things. You know, folk, if you study church history, they're the people that have dragged the church into apostasy. It's a liberalism. Find the simple folk, the working folk. Why did God get the Old Testament translated into the Septuagint, the Greek Old Testament, so that the people could understand the message? Why did God, in the New Testament, write the New Testament in Greek, in the not highfalutin language, the Greek, but in the common language, the Koine Greek? so that people would understand. He's not choosing those people. And then in Scripture, the weak, the base, the lowly, this is the ones that he's chosen to do his ministry. First Corinthians 1 and 2 speak of that. But God has chosen us. And it says here, 
<laughs> Sorry if I just put you down. Us, I included me too, you know. Those that are willing to have faith. What did he say about the people that think themselves to be something? They're unlikely to enter the kingdom of God. But in heaven there will be those that humble themselves under the hand of God and recognized his sovereignty, his lordship, and said, Lord, forgive me, I'm a sinner. Uh, you know, we might pick on David for all the things he did wrong, but he had the heart of God. He was a sinner. <laughs> hey, a king, choose a king. Was it Eliab? Line them all up. Oh, it must be that big blood. No, Eliab was the oldest fellow, wasn't he? And, and Samuel said, isn't there any more? Oh, yeah, the runt. <laughs> The little fellow David, out, he's looking after the sheep, the lowliest job. God chose him to do his work. And a man after God's own heart because he repented, he got things right, and he was used mightily, mightily to bring Israel from where they were to where they, God said they should be. Elect, we go back to First Peter chapter 1, verse 2. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God. Put those verses to that verse, those words to memory. How, on what basis did God elect us? According to this verse. Now put it alongside those in Romans 9. According to his foreknowledge. He knew, as we've told you, he knows everything from the beginning to the end before it happens. He could see that when we heard the gospel, we would bow the knee to the Lord Jesus and believe on him. Um, the Father through through it happens through sanctification of the Spirit of God working in us. You know, the, the, He sent to convict the world of sin, of righteousness and judgment. The Holy Spirit is, and He does that. Unto obedience, what do we need to obey? According to Second Thessalonians chapter one and verse eight, obey the gospel. It's a matter of obedience that we need to obey the gospel and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace be unto you and peace be multiplied. <laughs> A fisherman wrote these words. He was sort of disobedient at times and a bit boastful at other times, wasn't he? <laughs> but God used him as he grew in his knowledge of the Lord. Peter was used and he was used to write that scripture down. And when that hit me some time back, I thought... <laughs> You can't get around that one. You can twist and turn, but you can't get around Scripture and what it says in, in, in these sort of verses. God is sovereign, but he doesn't, and this is where I'm leading to, act against our will. <clears throat> I, little, little snippet here. If salvation has been provided for all, why does it have to be accepted individually before it becomes effectual in the individual answer because each individual has a separate will all his own and is entirely free to exercise that will as he chooses pertaining that to salvation man's will is sovereign in God's universe and God has voluntarily chosen to make man's will the barrier beyond which he will not go God will not coerce man's will. Salvation, therefore, must, becomes an individual matter 
since each individual is required to exercise his own will in accepting or rejecting God's gift of salvation. Jesus Christ calls attention to this barrier of man's will when he said, ye will not, and how many other times in scripture? Come unto me, and all there where he says man has a will to choose. How can a just God, which we've already spoken about, judge a sinful individual at the great white throne judgment who has not repented of his sin if, if that individual did not have a choice? He had a choice. And look, what, the third last verse in the Bible, what does it say? <laughs> you know, come, 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 come. <laughs> You've got a choice. And you aren't about to stand at judgment, David. You didn't elect me at God. No one will be able to point the finger at God. But God, also, I, if anybody does, because it seems that some do reply against God because it says it in Scripture. You know, well, what have we done that we are deserving hellfire? Matthew 25, I think it is. What, what, how, why do we deserve this? <laughs> because you didn't do this, this and this. You chose not to do what I wanted you to do. And anyway, finishing this quote, ye will not come unto me that ye might have life. An individual exercises an individual exercise of the human will is imperative. And that I read from that was foundations, a little snippet from a lot of about fifteen points I went through, questions and answers in that. <clears throat> now I know in the debate about the King James Version, you know, the oldest manuscripts are the best. The Alexandrian text, or the majority text is the best to take the translation from. We go the majority. <clears throat> and I'm going to refer to some old writer, an old writer. If we had the Apostle John here and say, brother, you received the scriptures inspired by God. We've got what you wrote. What does it mean? Do you think he would know what it meant? At the time, he might have had to think and go through it because this is a, he was inspired by God to write it. In fact, the Old Testament prophets looked and searched diligently. What does it mean? Oh, I've written this, but what does it mean? And New Testament, they had a, a much better basis because of all the things they were taught by the Lord and the Old Testament and a New Testament revelation. But John had a disciple called Polycarp. He was alive with John, listening to John preach, listening to John, John expose the scriptures that they had of the New Testament then. And, and they probably had a lot because John was the last writer of scripture in 95 AD. He was the last one to put pen to paper and the Spirit inspire him to write Revelation. And 1st, 2nd and 3rd John come later too. But then Polycarp had a disciple. So Poly, Polycarp's disciple was Irenaeus. Now, that's what I'm saying. We're going back to these old folks. And praise God, the Catholics didn't get a hold of all these people's writings and burn them. Most they did, you know. Now, why would you burn the writings of those people who lived right back there, who knew the apostles, you know, and, and, and preached sermons and, and stood against apostasy then. Even Paul was writing in his day, you know, there's men going to come in, you know, this is already happening. In the apostles' day where people were coming in corrupting the word of God. You know, man has a choice. 
man can rebel and turn away. And it has happened. So, John, Polycarp, Iranus. Let's read a little about the, the records. Then this is what he wrote back then in defending the faith. <laughs> but man being endowed... Now, you'll have to understand it's written and interpreted, so you, you just have to bear with it as I read it. But man being endowed with reason, and in this respect, like God, being made free in his will and with power over himself is himself the cause to himself that sometimes he becomes wheat and sometimes he becomes chaff. You see what he's saying? <laughs> Men have a free will to choose. They choose right or wrong. <clears throat> In this space, a comment on this, of three paragraphs of Iranus's writings refer to the offer of salvation to all men in no less than 20 times Iranus referred to that choice. Iranus unquestionably uses all in the sense of every man, every man. Christ died for how many people? Oh, did you say just the elect? <laughs> no, he died for all people. His blood atoned for all. You read First John chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. And in Timothy, it's, and in, in many other portions, it says that. And for people to say he only died for the electing, now that it's accursed, is absolutely unscriptural. I'm a simple person. <laughs> I like, I'm a, like, what's it, Amos? A gatherer of sycamore fruit. I'm a driver of a bulldozer. But God saved me. And God leads you through the scriptures to these things. And praise God for... <laughs> The willingness, not with my intellect to impose what I want on the Bible, that's called eisegesis, but to have the ability to go and exegete the word by comparing scripture with scripture. So we might come to the knowledge of the truth. And again, Irena said, this expression of our Lord, how often would I have gathered thy children together, it's in Matthew 23, and thou wouldest not, set forth the ancient law of human liberty. Because God made man a free agent from the beginning, possessing his own power even as he, ha as he does his own soul to obey the behest of God voluntarily and not by compulsion. Who's this man writing? He's a man that was a disciple of Polycarp and Polycarp was a disciple of John. Do you think they had it right back then? Yep, they did. <clears throat> For there is no coercion with God but a good will toward us to, pres to present him with continually, continually. And therefore does he give good counsel to all and in man as well as in angels. They had a choice. He has placed the power of choice for the angels are rational beings as we are so that those who had yielded obedience might justly possess what is good given indeed by God but there's those that make the choice for bad and they go to hell that's what the Bible says and again later no doubt if anyone is unwilling to follow the gospel itself is it, it is in his power to reject it but it is not expedient <laughs> well, is it not expedient 
You read the results of rejecting the gospel, flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel, 2 Thessalonians 1, verse 8. And I read of he's writing again, but because man is possessed of free will from the beginning and God is possessed of free will in whose likeness man was created, advice is always given to him to keep fast the good, which things is done by men's means of obedience to God and that reference in Second Thessalonians 1.8 we could refer to. And again he said, And not merely in works, but also in faith, has God preserved the free will of man. <clears throat> when we get saved, we can choose to follow the Lord hard after God. Or we can choose to follow medium, or we can go light. And if you follow the Lord lightly, you'll get a light reward. <laughs> If you follow him hard after God, you will, follow, you will be rewarded greatly in the day to come. Your choice, see. God doesn't compel. He might just you bring the paddle out and come move you along a little bit if you're getting too far out of line. But he lets it be your choice. And the day of accounting will tell what choices we made. Um, <clears throat> Uh, we, we re I read on there of what he wrote God has preserved the free will of man the will of man free and under his own control man's control according to thy faith be it unto thee thus showing that there is a faith especially belonging to man since he has an opinion especially his own he makes up his own mind he chooses and commenting about this the writer again from the foundations magazine says this, the fact that Irenaeus' do doctrine and interpretation of the scripture received from the very hearers of the apostles disagrees with distinctive teaching of the reformed movement, that is Calvinism and such, should cause red flags to be raised. But as one reads Irenaeus, an even more horrifying cautious, caution emerges. Some of the teachings of Reformed theologians are identified by Irenaeus as being blasphemous doctrines of the heretics. They were already around then, and that's what he called them. Now, <laughs> if Irenaeus was here and preached that, he wouldn't be very popular today, would he? In a majority of churches that are going that way, were once, they were once like us. You see, we believe is in the last days when things are getting real bad, need to hold the truth of God's word like never before. You know, oh, I've got a friend, I've got a family member I've got a, th that believes this. And we just say, okay, I'll, I'll accept that bit. And someone else accepts another bit of heresy. And so forth. Where do you end up? Well, you end up where most denominations are today, powerless of God. And as Irenaeus would say, blasphemous doctrines of the heretics. In his book Against Heresy, Irenaeus condemns the Valentinians, I think it's pronounced, who held certain views not dissimilar to distinctive Reformed views. For their system is blasphemous, he said. After explaining that God created all men with freedom and power of choice, Irenaeus warns true believers of those who have forsaken the truth. He actually, in, in another one and one of the other guys, his contemporary, they named them. They said, this bloke, that bloke and that fella don't have anything to do with. 
And if we do that today, we're branded as a mean-spirited, unloving. Look, if a person is telling the truth, is he unloving? Not at all. We have to believe and obey the truth. That's love. To let your child just do what they want and when they want, how they want, is not loving at all. That's to drop the ball and not do what God wants you to do as a parent in your life to discipline and train these children to know God. And eventually they won't submit to any authority. Um, He goes on and talks about heritage. And he talks about Romans chapter 9 and about Pharaoh in that. If therefore, he said, I reign us again. In the present time also, God, knowing the number of those who will not believe, since he foreknows all things, 1 Peter 1, 2, has given them over to unbelief and turned away his face from men of this stamp. You see what I mean, the writing of his day? Leaving them in the darkness, which they have themselves chosen to go. Free will. What is then wonderful, he continues, is he did also at that time give over their unbelief. Pharaoh, who never would have believed along with those with him. He's referring to Romans chapter 9. So there is something about God's will and free choice. Praise God, he's given us the choice. It assures us the sovereignty of God. And we haven't talked much about that. We've done the free will and the sovereignty. But it assures us in his sovereignty that nothing is out of his control. We say the world is spinning out of control. control. (laughs) And we look at it and it truly is, isn't it? But is someone in control? Who might be allowing these things to happen? God in his sovereignty? You see, he's got a plan. It's called the tribulation. <laughs> and it's at the doorstep, folks. It's at the doorstep. People, Christians everywhere, when COVID happened, look, look, this is, a, this is like it will be. But nothing like it will be. It'll be a whole lot worse <laughs> than that in control and <clears throat> over, over people and over the planet. But <clears throat> he's in control as Revelation chapter 20 says in verses 2, 3 and 10. It reads there in Revelation 20, and he laid hold on the old dragon. (laughs) We'll be there to see. (laughs) The old serpent who is the devil and Satan and bound him a thousand years. You say, why not forever? Well, let's read on. (laughs) And cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and he deserves everything he gets. I didn't say that. And set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled. After that, he must be loose for a little season. Why does he have to be loose for a little season? Why would God let this evil being who made his choice back then in Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28 to rebel against God, why would God let him out again? You say you shake your head. (laughs) Because there's millions, maybe billions of people being born during the millennium who have never known the temptation of the evil one, Satan. They've got a free will too. And what do they do 
when he's let loose and encompasses the camp of the saints and lord at Jerusalem, what are millions and millions of people do? They follow the devil. They've got an old nature too. They have to be given the choice, free will. <laughs> and there in Revelation 20 verse 10, God is sovereign. God is victorious because the devil that deceived them, the Lord grabs him at the end after he's done his thing. He's loosed out of prison in verse 7. Go out and deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth. After the decimation of the tribulation, the world repopulates, rebuilds, regrows. Gog and Magog to gather them together as the sand of the sea. He went up from the breadth of the earth and compassed the camp of the saints about, as I just said, in beloved city, Jerusalem. And fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. And then he grabbed the devil. God is sovereign. They deceived them and he cast them, cast, he deceived them and cast into the lake of fire and brimstone. Where the beast and the false prophet are, they were, they were cast in at the end of the tribulation and shall be tormented day and night until they're annihilated. Did that, is that what it said? Did I just change the Bible? <laughs> no, forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Don't believe, oh, well, I can live my life like I want. I'll be annihilated at the end, so it won't matter. <laughs> it will matter. Because in Luke's Gospel, what does it plainly tell us? That the rich man, Lazarus, going to the other side and the, the rich man who didn't believe he chose not to believe he had a wheel and he chose not to the poor man the beggar of all people how did you let him into heaven a smelly fellow <laughs> the dogs licked his wounds he believed and he was in heaven comforted in Abraham's bosom and what did the rich man say I am tormented in this flame will you please send somebody back to tell my five brethren not to come to this place, to make the choice to believe. I love what was the reply. They have Moses and the prophets. They have the word of God. Let them believe them. Choice. Free will. Even... Yeah, God is sovereign, but he's made us beings and angels with free will to choose. For all animals, they die, and that's, that's obliterated. That's gone. They're gone. No doggies, no of your doggies in heaven, <laughs> or caddies, or whatever you love. Horses, horse, horse people. But God is sovereign. We have a choice in, in that. Um, <clears throat> yeah, we're going to finish them, aren't we? <laughs> I thought, praise God. Whose side are you on? Who are you following? God, and I think we should go to this one at least, another attribute is a God of wrath. In Hebrews 12 verse 29, our God is a consuming fire. Um, <clears throat> Revelation chapter 6 verse 15 to 17. Be warned about this attribute of God. Be warned. Because if we make a choice that's wrong with our will that God has given us, this is the consequences. You say there is no option then. True. <laughs> Enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, but after that, the judgment. 
And here in Revelation 6 verse 15 it says, Therefore are they before the throne of God? Oh, no, that's chapter 7. Go back to chapter 6. The kings of the earth and the great men and the rich men and the chief captains and the mighty men and every bondman and every free man hid themselves in the dens and the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb, for the great day of his wrath is come. This is after the fifth seal of the first set of seven judgments. That's in the first half of the tribulation. Some people try to tell us today a pre-wrath thing and rapture and all that, or mid-tribulation rapture. They say it's not God's wrath to start with. It is God's wrath. The people who are unbelieving are saying, "Let hide in the dens and the mountains, get away from this terrible wrath that's being poured out on this earth. To believe that the Lord doesn't come until after the tribulation is a blas let's use Irenaeus's say a blasphemous doctrine heresy. Because in my Bible, in Isaiah fifty-three and Psalm twenty-two, it tells us about the wrath that Jesus bore for my sins. And to say that we have to go through the tribulation and face the wrath of God again, living down on this planet, I think that's blasphemy. You slap in the face of the Lord Jesus to say that this is so. You're saying his work wasn't enough, I have to go through some tribulation. It's dangerous to tread the, on thin ice. You fall through. The great day of his wrath is come. And it is a day of wrath. It, Never has there ever been a time like that time, the Bible says, like it will be at that time. The wrath of the Lord. And we've, we've quoted from first, Second Thessalonians chapter 1, but let me read verse 7 before verse 8. It says, And you who are troubled, rest with us, when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. God is everlasting, his gospel, and those who believe is everlasting. But those that don't believe are punished. Great judgment upon those. In Revelation 14.10 it says, The same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation, and shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and the presence of the Lamb. And in Romans chapter 2 verse 5 it gives the contrast of both the believing and unbelieving. Romans 2 verse 5 says this, But after thy hardness and impenitent heart treasures up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and the revelation of the righteous judgment of God who shall render to every man according to his deeds. To them who by patience continuance in well-doing seek for glory and honour and immortality to them eternal life who believe but to them that are contentious and do not obey the truth have you ever contended with an unsaved person an unsaved relative an unsaved friend listen friend listen family if you don't get saved wrath to come and they bring up their contentions how could a loving God do that that's what they've they come up with well how do you as a lump of clay reply against an almighty God then 
It says it in scripture. You say, you just debased me. Well, we are made in his image and that's the precious part of us. It is eternal. The body, they may kill and worms will eat it, as Job said. But in my flesh, I shall see God, he also said. New body. <clears throat> them who are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteous, unrighteousness, to them indignation and wrath, tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that doth evil, and to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. No, no, no one excluded. The wrath of God is... There's a sermon on hell could be preached. Who preached a famous sermon? Sinners in the hands of an angry God. Jonathan Edwards. He didn't look up. He read it. And God used it mightily to, to break forth with his spirit upon people. Let's end with a good attribute of God. <laughs> We've been looking at these ones. Let's look at just a moment for the, at the grace of God. We'll finish with this one and not the others. God gives us what we don't deserve. Ephesians chapter 1, <coughs> where we've been a little bit earlier in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 6 to 9, it says, To the praise of the glory of his grace, through which he made us accepted in the beloved, to whom, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the, what? riches of his grace and as many say and we say G-R-A-C-E you know we the five letter words we sing them in Sunday school we did God's riches that bringeth salvation what does it say hath appeared to underline it all men it's written in the heavens it's written in the word it's written in our hearts. We have a conscience. It's appeared to all men. Now, I'm about to say, you didn't give me an opportunity to God. No. Grace. Wonderful grace of Jesus. <laughs> we should use God's grace as a model so that we, as Christians, are gracious. So many ungracious things are done in Christian circles. There should be graciousness toward one another knowing that we are all condemned all of sin but those who have believed in the Lord Jesus Christ has, have, re have received grace from him and if the fellow other person has we are one in Christ Jesus uh, <clears throat> gracious to others it reads in 1 Peter 2.3 if so be that you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Have you tasted that the Lord is gracious? I pray that you have and that you've chosen to say I accept his gift of grace and love to me and if you're listening in, you too, it's available to all people everywhere. Wonderful God, haven't we? <laughs> that he deans to humble himself and humble himself and become one of us to redeem us and give us his grace let's pray thank you Lord thank you Lord for all your wonderful works from the foundation of the world till now that you might bring people to yourself
In grace you stretch out your arm and say, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. O Lord, we weep for those that rebel and say no, and stubbornly in pride and self-will resist the gospel and disobey it. O humble them, bring whatever it takes in their life. And it could be a physical ailment, it could be some thing that befalls them that they can't recover from in this life may Lord that come upon them so their soul might be saved for eternity Lord we do suffer some things and some of us have suffered things to bring us to salvation and I pray that we might be thankful that that is the grace of God bless us now as we go our way and share this message with other people in Jesus name Amen